save me from this, which I see all the time, which gives off an impression of I'm up to something or I'm looking for, I'm expecting a text coming in or I don't know what I'm doing. Even though intellectually you may know, oh, I bet that person is looking at my image. It doesn't matter. The experience of being on the receiving end of that is that person is not looking at me or they're distracted or they're uncertain. It just creates doubt. And so, again, it's just one of those techniques that it's a different medium, so you have to learn how to use it. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now, that was Julie Hansen. Julie is a leading sales presentation expert and founder of Performance Sales and Training. And in our conversation today, we're going to focus on the topic of how to sell on video. Now, Julie brings a somewhat unique background and expertise to this topic as she started off her career as a professional actor in New York City. And she shares some of her stories about that time. And unlike many aspiring actors, she didn't support herself by being a waiter. Instead, she got into sales. And as she shares, it was a very interesting sales role indeed. So Julie and I then get into the evolving role of video in B2B selling. She shares some great advice for sellers in terms of how to prepare for video-based sales. And we explore whether sellers today are losing deals that they might have won pre-COVID simply because they do not have the specific skills required to connect effectively with customers on video. And given how much we use video, that's kind of a sobering thought. So we also talk about Julie's six acting tips to help you be more confident on camera. Some really good stuff there. So lots of great practical takeaways today. Before we get to Julie, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could also give us your feedback about how we're doing in the form of a review. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Julie, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Andy. Great to be here with you again. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. So you've got a very unusual background for getting into sales. You you were a professional actor for a number of years, right? I mean, you you went to pursue the dream in New York City. You moved from Colorado to New York. I did. I, I pursued the dream. I actually was in sales first before I got into acting. So I And then I did both for a long time. I took off like oh, two years to just do acting in New York and realized I did not have the starving artist gene in me. Once you're in sales and you start to make money, it's like, what is this? I'm not living with five other people and climbing up these stairs all the time. Yeah. So where'd you live when you were you know, embarking on your dream? I lived uh, the Upper East Side, like 88th and 2nd. Mm-hmm. So not the sure. glamorous part. They call it Germantown, I guess. Um, At that was, time, yeah, yeah. 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 I loved it. It was such a great experience. Schaller and Weber, very close by. Yes, yes, yep, great. And so so you said you were selling during that time. So you were selling for a magazine, right? Ad sales. I, I was. I, I started in um, in advertising sales. I worked for some radio stations in, in Colorado, and then I moved to New York, and I thought, well, I'll do something different and, um, you know, somewhere that has more of a – just able to sell more nationally because radio is very local for the most part. And uh, I got a job at, of all places, the National Enquirer and Star Uh, Magazine. Star Magazine, yes. Star Magazine. And uh, that was was quite an experience, as you can imagine. 
boy, people, and I had no idea. I thought, well, because you look, you know, at the time they had this huge audience, you know, like 20 million people or something. And I thought, wow, you know, what advertiser would want to reach, you know, 20 million, mostly, you know, women, yeah. kids. But man, I had no idea how many how polarizing that publication was. Well, why was it more polarizing than you know us or oh People Magazine? Well, because they take well. That's always used to say it's it's you know it's People Magazine without the pretty pictures. You know, it's it's uh, it was a little more gossipy. It was a little more derogatory, and and I get that. It's not you know it's it's appeals to a certain market and. Uh, but it does, you know, it does its job. It reaches reaches those people. Um, but I would talk to buyers, and they'd be like, either, "Oh, I love it. Put me on the subscription list," or "I hate it. I'll never talk to you people." So there, were, there was no in between. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they became quite famous uh, in the last few years. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. Yes, yeah, suppressing stories for a certain person. Yes, yes. so. Talk about acting. So what were some of the gigs you got that that you said for a couple of your period, you were supporting yourself as an actor? I did. And, uh, you know, mostly uh, commercial work was... So uh, give us an example. The commercial you were on. That, uh, I we, was on... You might remember. Yeah, yes, you might. Uh, Dawn Dishwashing Liquid mm-hmm. or Cricket, the phone company. Yeah. Still around. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, flew me to Canada for that one. Um, Sears. Oh gosh, really testing my. Any, well, any, any TV shows or did you do yes. any stage? I did a lot. Yeah, I did a lot of stage. Not not on Broadway. That's uh, it's a tough road, but um, yeah. off, off Broadway. And it yeah, it was great. I loved it. Um, and I did a, a lot of smaller shows. Like I had a little part on Oz one season and. Um, I had a part in Sex in the City, um, but you know some extra work and you know some small roles in mm-hmm. little independent films, and but it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and you you hold it as sort of a badge of honor. I see in your your LinkedIn profile that you were the only working actor in New York not to be on Law and Order. Yes, yes, sadly, <laughs> I actually did. I auditioned for one role on Law and Order to play a dead person, a victim, and I did not get the part. And I I think that's because I like to think I look too alive to play a dead person. So I'm going to take uh-huh. that as a compliment. <laughs> but really, if you look well, at I, any any actors, you if you go to a you know, go to shows again, you look at the playbill of these New York actors, it's like everybody has done an episode of Law and Law and Order, you know. There's enough of them that they've had to work their way through all the actors. Yeah. Yeah, well actually one of my college roommates is uh, the showrunner for who well, he was for law and order criminal intent and now is for oh. law and order svu so oh, okay uh, could have gotten a gig yeah. yeah if we'd known yeah could have gotten you that's right <laughs> so so what was the inspiration then to combine your acting and your selling into a training business yeah it was something i always i just did uh, automatically when I started mm-hmm. acting, when I was selling, I was like, it, it just really helped me with my, you know, confidence, my delivery, my ability to connect with people. And 
Um, so I just, I used a lot of those techniques and I found as I got better as an actor, I got better as a salesperson. And then I started using the, the techniques that I learned as a, a sales manager with people that worked for me and it really helped them as well. And so eventually I started just doing training in that area and, and wrote a book about it. And I think that's when I talked to you many years ago when that came out, mm -hmm. act like a sales mm -hmm. pro which is really right. about, you know, using those acting techniques because there are so many similarities. Um, you know, when you're in front of a customer, it's, you know, it's a, there's a performance aspect to it and it, it doesn't mean you're not connecting with them, but you're, you're connecting with them uh, in a way that, you know, you have an objective and you're being very intentional and you're bringing your best self to the, mm -hmm. the stage. And, not everybody knows how to do that. And as an actor, I learned a lot of techniques that help you um, get to that place and able to uh, repeat a performance. Because I think sometimes we uh, salespeople get into ruts where it's like, oh, I got to say this presentation again. I got to do, you know, you're saying words mm -hmm. right a lot of times. And how do I keep it fresh? Yeah, keeping it fresh, keeping it engaging. You know, how do you really uh, connect with that person across from you? So. Well, there's, this, yeah, people are going to hear this and say, well, huh, because, you know, we're taught that oftentimes in training, it's just almost the opposite, right? That it's not really an act. You got to be your authentic self. And, and I, I believe that I think that, that you do is that, yeah, that's not antithetical to, you know, lean into the performative aspects of selling and still be authentic. Absolutely not. It's, uh, you know, if you look at uh, even like great actors, they're always using themselves. And Johnny Depp has a great line and Johnny Depp plays some crazy characters. And he mm -hmm. said, you know, in any part you play, there's a piece of yourself in it. Other otherwise, it's not just acting, it's lying. So, right. you know, you're using, you know, you're using, we, we play roles all the time. I mean, you know, right now you're in a, you know, you're, in your podcast role, but you're going to go and you're going to be oh, I'm like this all the time. Yeah. Are you, are you okay? The, the dinner with your family. <laughs> you know, A lot we're, of questions. we're, we're yeah. yoga teachers, we're parents, we're partners. And we just, we don't turn into another person. We just bring certain parts of ourselves to that role. And so it's, it's really not anything more than that. And, and what's interesting. And of course now the focus now has been, you know, how do we communicate on camera? Uh, and right. and it really comes into play that authenticity because um, the camera knows when you're lying. So you obviously absolutely don't want to be anybody you're not. Um, and, but you want to be the best version of yourself and you want to, and you do need to cheat a little for the camera because the camera reads things differently. So, um, it's, you know, people, people often associate being authentic with being, um, being natural and being comfortable. Well, that doesn't read well on camera. I, you know, I don't want to see you. That's like, you know, kicking back and say, Hey, Andy, want to talk about, let's talk about sales. You know, I mean, yes, that's natural and that's comfortable, but that's not, it, that's not inspiring to anyone. And that's not going to make your audience feel like you're, interested in them or you have something compelling to say yeah i think just the the opposite right is to your point about the the performance part of it the playing a role is is that 
it's it's hard work, right? I mean, if you're too relaxed, <laughs> to your point, is is yeah, that's not a you that anybody really wants to engage with. They want the interested you, they want the excited you, the passionate you, and that. To your point, that's not you every single second of the day. That's you right. in that environment. And what's interesting is, and what really struck me as an actor was, you know, a lot of times as a salesperson, I'm sure you felt this too. Like there's days where I don't feel like talking to somebody, right? I don't feel like giving a presentation. Well, it's not any different than an actor. Like, you don't, you know, sometimes you don't feel like going on stage and doing what you got to do, but they have techniques that help you kind of get into that place and get in, you know, in role and, and show up how you need to show up. And so I find all that stuff is, has been very helpful for salespeople because it's very tactical. Right. Well, give us an example of what, let's say a seller wakes up, he or she just don't, they're just not feeling it, but they've got a presentation, uh, perhaps a big one, important one. How do they get into that space? that headspace. Right, right. So, you know, the, and the headspace is very connected to the body space. So a lot of it is, you know, going through like, you know, making sure, you know, you're you're warmed up, you're physically engaged. Um Well, how do you warm warm up for a sales call? What would you do to warm up for a sales call? Well, you know, when you think about your body is is in your voice or your instrument. I mean, that's how you're selling and I think we take that for granted in in sales a lot of times, but you know, uh Warming up, making sure you stretch, making sure you, you know, energize, get rid of tension, because oftentimes what happens is people get tense and they start to get mm-hmm. smaller, right? And very, you know, inhibited and, right. and you got to right. yeah, fight against that. So it's really, it's, it's freeing yourself up to being able to express yourself as fully as possible and let your personality come out. So it's, it's letting go of um, shaking off the baggage. I, I, I learned from a director one time, just, you know, before any show, it's like just shaking off, like whatever just happened. Like you just had a bad mm-hmm. phone call. It's the same in sales. It's like, you gotta, you gotta let go. Whatever just happened, you know, how do you let that go? Do you physically let it go. You can mentally let it go. And then you start thinking about what is my, you know, what's my intention with this, this call? What is my, uh, I want, I start thinking about, you know, how do I want the, you know, the audience to feel, or how do I want my scene partner to feel? I want them to feel sure. excited. Why does that matter? What's at stake? So a lot of, you know, both physical and mental preparation to get into that role until you can't wait to get in front of them. You know, as you walk through like why this matters, um, you know, suddenly it's like, I, I need to say this and I need to say this now. We need to have this conversation now and, you know, creates that passion. Right. I mean, I, I, I use visualization, right? When I've got important calls is, yeah. is I'll, I'll game plan, plan them, excuse me. And I'll, I'll, I'll run through. If I say this, they may say that, uh, then I might respond that way. And, and obviously can't go on forever on that, but you work out of several levels sort of what you anticipate uh, objections could be or questions could be and and be prepared for them. Right, right. Uh, like knowing your knowing your lines. Yeah, knowing your lines. And then and then you have to, you know, you got to do that preparation and then you have to let it go and you have to be able to be 100% present and focused on your customer. And that's how you know how you're going to connect and how you're going to be able to read them and hear them and and you know build that relationship. 
Well, I think that's it's interesting for sellers to think about because oftentimes we hear this term about salespeople are overly scripted. And I mean, you can't be more scripted than an actor in a play or a TV show. But to your point, they learn how to let that go and be in the moment. And that's that's I think the part that salespeople have a really hard time with is is in many cases they're really encouraged to be very structured and rigid in how they approach those moments. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it, it's very much a skill that you know nobody's born knowing how to take someone else's words and bring them to life. Uh, that's not necessarily natural. Mm-hmm. And there is a technique to be able to do that. And part of that is, is you know, learning them well enough so that they're ingrained, but also that they're internalized. Right. Like, you know why you're saying them. They're, they they spring from you almost naturally because they're inevitable. Like when you right. are driving towards a certain point or conversation, uh, you don't have the restraints that an actor does where you have to get every word right so there's there's much more freedom in that but uh, we're often in sales using words we didn't write whether it's a sentence or a paragraph or explaining a feature um why not learn to do that as well as possible somebody may have written something a much better explanation than i would come up with if i just off the cuff tried to explain something to you right right so there's nothing wrong inherently with using words you didn't write. It's just knowing that there's a, a process that you also need to learn to be able to take those, make them yours, and communicate them in a way that's, that, you know, sounds like they're coming out of, you know, they came from you. Right. Yeah, that you you came up with them, right? Right. So what we're going to focus on today uh, is selling on video. Yes. Because this is this is something that's happening much more frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was telling, I was telling someone my first video sales call was in 1988. Just FYI. Uh, <laughs> so, for, so for people who think this is entirely new, right. yeah, it's not. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. So, so yeah, and that's where it gets me because there's a ton written about virtual selling these days, and. Yeah, I'm not sure how useful a lot of that is because it's, I think, based on assumptions that just aren't true in terms of you know, how much remote versus or in-person selling took place. But mm-hmm. but video clearly is something that's the proportion of calls that are video has certainly changed. And and I I think, yeah, you've got some great tips that we're going to talk about. But at heart, and you you know started as a salesperson, is, is if you're just not good at the basics of sales – being able to connect, being curious, you know, listening to understand and so on, is that, yeah, that's going to get accentuated on video. So right. the, basics, the basics are still the basics. You know, you're not, you're not going to rescue yourself by using video. No, no, I, absolutely right. It's, you know, those things haven't gone away, but they also, uh, you know, the way we communicate them has to be adapted to this medium. You can't mm-hmm. necessarily... Uh, do the same things you did live and expect to have the same uh, feedback or response. So yeah, absolutely. And it, and it just magnifies, it magnifies the, inse- the insecurities or the, the gaps that you have in your, <laughs> in your uh, repertoire as well. Well, I just wonder, so first question is, is are we defaulting to video too much? I mean, it's a great thing to have in the arsenal, but the, now the assumption is is fairly 
fairly consistent that, hey, if you're going to have a, a call with a customer, hey, let's jump on Zoom and do it. Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, wouldn't we better be better off having a mix, phone calls, Zoom? Is video always preferred? Well, I, a couple things to consider. First of all, uh, why would you have a live meeting? If you would have a live meeting, then that should be a video meeting, right? Then there was a reason you wanted to get in front of that person. Those reasons still exist. Uh, I think certainly there's certain times in the sales cycle. Well, it's you know you're just gonna you're in the middle of a deal and you're just gonna talk about one piece of it. You you know a phone call can suffice, but uh, but for the most part, if you are in a place where you're trying to build a relationship, build rapport, um, create trust, and engage them in some way, video can you know is the is the best way to do that. And so why not use that tool? I mean, it's just, we learn so much from someone else's face and their body language. Mm-hmm. It gives mm-hmm. context to what we're saying. Um, it helps. Uh, eye contact is one of the fastest ways to build a relationship. Um, so there's all, uh, and there's all kinds of research on, you know, deals that close faster because video was used and, uh, and we'll learn more and more about that. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'd take all of that with a huge grain of salt right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, I th- and the reason I bring it up, though, is that there is some research, and this came out really closer to the beginning of the pandemic, but was still based on the fact that Zoom had been thriving, you know, in 2019, 2018, and so on, is that listening, hearing nuance is actually better achieved through an audio call than a video call. Well, that is the problem, and that's uh, that's something that I cover a lot in my training and in my new book is the fact that uh, because we are so new at this medium in terms of having to use it for Mm -hmm. our our jobs, there are a lot of things to manage. And so if you don't, if you're not practiced and you don't have a, a strategy, you're, you know, one of those areas can, can fall flat and that can be listening. If you're too busy, like trying to figure out what screen you're on and where to look and how to move and how to, body language, you're not present enough to hear those nuances that you need to, to really actively listen to someone. So you're right. Yeah, there's too many distractions, right? Too many distractions. Right. And so, and if you don't have a way to manage those distractions and like it's, yeah, it's going to overwhelm you and something's going to fall through the cracks. Well, let's, let's talk about some of the advice that you have for sellers that are um, need to be better on camera. Okay. And I love one of your piece of advice. You said, stop practicing on your customers. <laughs> and I mean, this is true of sales in general, whether it's you know, video calls or yeah, not. But, you play to everything. Yeah. So what's your suggestion in that regard? How should someone practice video calling? I mean, just role play internally. I mean, what's your suggestion? Um, yeah, so it, you know, there's there's a number of different skills involved in a video call. So I always suggest, like, if you're practicing um, eye contact, um, mm-hmm. you know, practice it on your team calls, practice it on, uh, you know, with your friends and family. Practice just looking at that camera and checking body language every once in a while, and get comfortable with that because you don't want to try out these new things on a customer call. That's when you're going to be really um, unable to do other things like listen to them actively mm-hmm. and read body language. So you want to master each of those skills, you know, when it's when the stakes aren't so high. 
Um, I might want to master like, you know, reading body language. Well, how do I read body language if I'm looking at the camera? Well, exactly. That's a question that, that I, I get from people that I hear is, uh-huh. yeah, I may hear an expert on the show like you saying, yeah, keep maintain eye contact. But then it's like, well, what's the point of video if I can't <laughs> stop looking at the camera and look at them? All right. So, so that's a good question. Um, so. Let me ask you if you so you if you look at the camera camera right now, Andy. I am. You, uh, tell me when you see me do something. Yeah, I can see that. All right. I'm not looking I'll, at your face. Though. I'm just I'm just sort of peripheral vision. Right, peripheral vision. We have much stronger peripheral vision than most of us realize. We just don't consciously use it, right? Mm-hmm. But if I'm looking at the camera and I have my images set up correctly, I can see if you're expression changes dramatically. I can see if you're looking away or leaning back and then I can react accordingly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that saves me from this, right? which I see all the time, which gives off an impression of I'm up to something or I'm looking for, I'm expecting a text coming in or I don't know what I'm doing. Um, even though intellectually, you may know, I, oh, I bet that person is looking at my image. It doesn't matter. The experience of being on the receiving end of that is that person is not looking at me or right. they're distracted or they're uncertain. It just creates doubt. And so um, it's just, again, it's just one of those techniques that it's a different medium. So you have to learn how to use it. And you can still read body language you know, with peripheral vision and then occasionally checking in. I like to tell people, you know, you could, a great time to check in is like during transitions when you're changing slides because there's already movement mm-hmm. on the screen. So the person is likely looking at the screen anyway. Um, there's just a lot of ways to keep that connection uh, without breaking it constantly. It's kind of like, have you ever seen, I, I bet you know uh, a number of shows where the, the actor suddenly just talks directly to the camera. Yeah. Breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. Breaks the fourth wall. So it's that similar experience, whether it's like, you know, um, I don't know, there's a Deadpool or, um, yeah. <laughs> one of my Fleabag. favorites. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or Fleabag. Yeah. Both Fleabag, favorites. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And as a, as a audience member, I remember sitting on my couch watching house of cards and when like, you know, Frank Underwood, who was kind of a, slimy character anyway, like start address addressed me in my, in my, uh, pajamas. I was like, Whoa, you know, it's, <laughs> it's startling. It's just so unexpected. And, and that's, that's the experience that you can actually create when you look at someone through the camera, because we're so used to people looking all over the place and it being distracting and, you know, to really use that camera to make a person feel seen and heard is a really powerful tool. Yeah. It's, so one of the th- questions I had for you is, is yeah, I've seen statistics somewhere like people spend 30% of a Zoom call looking at themselves. Oh, yeah. So what? Post-it note over your image? Just, uh, you know. What do you, what do you recommend? Yeah, I recommend you hide your image. Don't turn your camera off, but you can hide your image. Nothing good will come from you looking at yourself while you're on a call. That is the ultimate right. of practicing in real time on your customer. Because here's what happens. First of all, nobody looks at themselves and go, you know what? I look pretty good. Nobody. 
We're all like, oh my well, I'll God. Bet you, I'll bet you some people too. <laughs> well, maybe. I, I haven't met any yet. But, yeah. <laughs> but I no, don't, I don't know. I think, I, I think given the, the proliferation of selfies, uh, I think that there's probably a lot of people that spend time yeah, looking at themselves. Maybe. But, but here's what happens. Here's the, here's the danger is I'll, I'll see people do this. I'll, I'll see them check their image and they see something that they don't like and they'll, um, you know, either like fix it and then they'll go back to the camera and then they'll check a little later to see if it changed. And then they'll see something else. They're like, you know, they'll, they'll think I'm not smiling. And they'll yeah. on some unjustified expression. And all this does is it, you, you disconnected from your, your customer. You're totally out of the moment. And it just, and you've, you know, got this weird body language going on. There's just nothing. I mean, what you want to do is that's not the time to learn how to, um, you know, deliver on camera or how to act right. on camera. It, you want to record yourself, look at it later, see what you need to work on, and then pick a few, you know, pick some things. And again, practice on lower stakes calls. Yeah. Well, it's never been easier to record yourself, whether it's just, exactly. you know, an audio call or a video call. I mean, I remember again back in the early days when we would do video training and it's a big production. It was a big production. Yeah. Right? yeah, I know. Now it's there's almost no excuse, except that most people don't like to see themselves on video. They don't like to see themselves or hear themselves. So it's it's very difficult. I found for uh, salespeople to be objective about that because they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I look terrible." Instead of breaking down, you know, taking the time to go, "Okay, how was my eye contact?" How was I, you know, reading body language? Was I was did my expression match what I was saying? Did I have mm-hmm. any movements that were, you know, was I way out of frame? Was uh, so I have developed like these checklists so people can go through them and and just keeps you on track instead of going, I just terrible. I got to change everything, right. which is not helpful. Yeah, and you can post those on the wall above your camera. Yeah, so you can yeah sort of see them if you need to check it out. Um, we talked a little about eye contact, mm-hmm. um, but you sort of said, yeah, don't look at your buyer, meaning don't look at the image, look into the camera. Now, I, for some people, I wonder, should they even just, I mean, I know what I do when I do interviews like this. I'm not seeing you. I, I cover you with my notes. So, <laughs> well, now I see you, but, but I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's. Yeah, it's a distraction, right? I, you don't maintain contact, but also I need to I need to see my notes, and I want to look at a different a different computer to to do that. Right, but, right. Uh, yeah, you don't want to do that in a sales call. I mean, you want to be able to check in on you the do, customer. Yeah, you want you want to have their images as close to your camera as possible, so that you can again easily pick up those movements in your peripheral vision and then check them out, or not have to make huge movements with your eyes to actually see them but there are points. go ahead go ahead i'm sorry no i'm sorry go ahead i was gonna say i mean there there are points where you know it's not like we don't look away occasionally when we're gathering our thoughts or or we're checking a note and and that's fine but you just always want to bring that focus back but there are certain times where you absolutely want to be looking at the camera Uh, for instance when you're finishing a thought you don't want to be saying a you know here's the benefit you're going to get and it's all and it's going to save you a million dollars a year 
Yeah, you're looking off to the right. Right? I mean, that's what happens so many times. I mean, we laugh, but it, this is what's happening is people don't know how to work with the camera. Uh, and so things don't have the impact they would if you were sitting directly across from someone. Or yeah. uh, we don't look at the camera when we're asking someone a question and then we wonder why they don't answer. And we're going, so um, how's that? Uh, how was your pipeline this year? And people are like, did she ask me a question? Is that, mm -hmm. for, is that for me? Or no, probably Bob. You know, there's just this uncertainty about it. So knowing when to look at the camera is really critical too. Yeah, and I think it's a good lesson for sellers is to think about, especially those who have been doing, let's say, in-person sales, is this is going to teach you really how well you're doing on making eye contact and just in general, in person. Because chances are you're not as good at it as you think. Yes, in, when well, meeting face to face, and that's and that's yeah. a that's a problem for a buyer, right? If you're in front of a if you're in an in person meeting and you have a hard time establishing eye contact, and to your point, it's fundamental to establishing a connection with another right, human right. being. And you're right, and that's one of those things that is really magnified on video. On video, right? When you're live. You you have a shared environment with someone, so it's natural for you both to look at different things. If you continually look at other things instead of your customer, that, that is problematic, but it can also be, um, you know, it, it's less noticeable than on video, but certainly uh, this is, this is a different practice for most people who aren't used to making that much eye contact with someone uh, that you're not in an intimate relationship with. Yeah, but I, I I think the skill is for me is like a a newscaster or a TV reporter in the field is they're talking into a camera and they're not seeing anybody on the other side. Or if you're being interviewed on a TV news program, you're not you don't always have a monitor to see the the person that's asking you the question. You're just right, looking right. at the camera. It, yeah, exactly. It's a newscaster. It's an actor filming their side. You know, a lot of times, yeah. you know, I'd I'd be on a um, you know, in a shot and I'm supposed to be talking to another actor and that actor isn't even on the set that day. I'm just talking to the camera. And so, you know, and, and what works and I, I teach a technique that is, you know, how do you, how do you keep that engaging flow as if you're in this dynamic conversation when the other person isn't there? Uh, and that is, that is truly a technique and that, that, you can use that on a video call when you can't see your customer. You can imagine, you know, you know what I look like. You don't have to, you don't have to see me. You saw my picture. Mm -hmm. And then you can project that into the camera and imagine that person's reactions. Like imagine them actually looking interested when you say something. Um, <laughs> no. Are you saying Andy? that to me or that hypothetical? Yeah, Andy. <laughs> I look interested. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, and I would say, you know, imagine Imagine the best possible reaction um, because that's going to give you the energy you need. Because one thing that's really missing on these video calls is energy. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what, you know, that's what salespeople used to, you know, we didn't get into this business to sit in isolation and talk to somebody on a screen. Most of us like to be around people and we feed off that. And unfortunately, people are, are mostly very passive in front of a screen um, that's just, you know, put them, that's how we're trained, you know, get in front of your computer, get in front of your TV. We go into like passive consumption mode. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And so you, that's how our customers are. And, and oftentimes salespeople panic because they're like, oh my God, they're so bored and I got to, you know, I'm moving faster and I'm rushing. And really it's just their, what I call, you know, their, their video mode, their, uh, most people have what I call resting business face. On yeah, so I was going to say a resting customer face. Yes. Not to- the resting customer, right? It's yeah. just, it's our, this is how we sit in front of a video. It doesn't mean I'm bored, but salespeople often make that assumption and then all sorts of negative consequences happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a much more challenging environment for sellers when you're doing that because if I'm in a group meeting in person with somebody and someone starts looking at their phone, you stop. But when you're a video call, they can do it under the table or whatever. You really can't be aware of uh, or really in control of whether they're paying attention or not. So right, right. Being, I mean, being engaging, you know, this uh, calls other techniques about making sure you call on people in a certain frequency to make sure they're continually engaged in the conversation. Right. Uh, really important. Yeah, it's having that call structure of, you know, maintaining engagement, uh, you know, not going, you know, trying to interact more often, you know, not right. going more than three minutes without interacting, um, making sure you Using ask people's for- names. Using people's names. Um, yeah, especially, yeah, if you've got more people on a call because, you know, because people don't, they do take a passive role on video and they always assume somebody else is going to answer that, right? Somebody else mm-hmm. is going to jump in. And getting comfortable with those pauses, you just, you have to pause longer. Um, and, you know, a lot of salespeople weren't great at that in person. We, you know, often rush through, if somebody didn't quickly answer a question, you'd jump in and answer it yourself, right? Because it's uncomfortable. And now we have to pause even longer because first of all, it's, you know, people go through that process of, is that a question? Think about Mm -hmm. my answer. Is so-and-so going to answer? Oh, I guess they're not. I could answer. That's a little longer, you know, thought process than when you're in a room and you can actually look at one person and go, so, you know, Tell us about your experience here. Mm-hmm. The person's like, they are talking to me, right? So it's it's much different. We have to allow for that. In your experience, and this is my feeling is, and this is, again, there's no data behind this at all, but it's just my feeling based on having done so many mm-hmm. of these, was that some of the verbal tics that people have become more irritating on video than they are in person. The ums, the you know, extraneous words that people throw into into conversation. I was wondering what you have heard about that and seen about that. Yes, and yes, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Again, it's it magnifies many of those things because what you've done is you've taken you know instead of this again shared large environment that you used to have with your customer, you've got this very narrow. You've got a small stage. And so this is it, folks, right? Everything right. that's happening here. So part of that is your voice, your face, and your, your you know, gestures, your body language play a huge role in what your customer experiences. And what happens is because your stage is so small, anything that is repetitive can just, I mean, you know, humans quickly adapt a pattern. So if I, if right. I sense right. a pattern, um, 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 it starts to become like just all I can hear. Nails on chalkboard. Yeah. 
So you do need to be aware of those. So that's that's one of those things you need to clean up on video. And well, good reason oh, to watch your make sure you watch at least some of your calls back. Right. Right. The verbal ticks are. Yeah, I think they they get magnified and can be very distracting and in a way that have an impact that you didn't expect that they would. And they wouldn't necessarily have in person because there's there's more a more dynamic environment when you're in person, obviously, than than through the screen. Yes. And and we weren't as aware of them in person because we we didn't record ourselves a lot in person. So we could just blissfully be unaware of all those ticks that we have that, that might be distracting. And, and that's the thing. What we're, what we're trying to do is, is communicate as clearly and impactfully as possible to sort of bridge this virtual gap, to make someone feel like we're just sitting across from each other having a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And anything you do that, that tests that theory, that, that um, distracts someone or makes them remember, you know, this is a virtual artificial environment works against you there. Yeah. So um, you want to limit, eliminate those things that are going to distract people because they, they have so many distractions. You don't want to add to it. Right. All right. Well, Julie, unfortunately, we've run out of time, but thank you for joining me. And if people want to learn more about what you're doing and connect with you, how should they do that? Uh, yes, you can check out sellingon-video.com. Uh, lots of tips there on okay. you know everything about how to connect with customers on camera. I've got a new book coming out, so it should be out shortly, how to connect with customers on camera. Nice. And a lot of the techniques that uh, we introduced today are in there and, and more. Oh, good. Well, thank you. And as soon as we hang up, you can critique how I've done on video. It's always nerve-wracking to talk with you. I'm going to write a blog post. All right, yeah. <laughs> All the things Andy should do better. <laughs> Doesn't even have to include video. I'm sure there's lots of things on the list. So. Oh, no, you're great. <laughs> All right, Julie, thank you very much. All right, thank you. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. We are ever so grateful for your support of our show. And I want to thank my guest, Julie Hansen, for sharing her expertise with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could also leave us a rating or a review and let us know how we're doing, well, we'd certainly appreciate that. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.